0: We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart. I was telling the first service, I have a friend of mine that I work out with at the gym, and he goes to a local church here, and we're always talking about the Lord and talking about God, and this week we were in the gym together and uh, we weren't getting much done. We just started talking about the Bible and talking about the Lord. And I, I told him about a message that I had preached a few weeks ago, victory over the Viper. And uh, he said, man, I, I, I'd love to see that. And I said, I'm, I'm going to send you the YouTube link for it. So I sent him the YouTube link for it. It was earlier this week. And then yesterday he texted me and he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm trying to watch your message he said, but I can't get past the praise and worship. He said, I done backed this thing up twice and watched the praise and worship again and again. He said, because you can just feel the power of God. <laughs> I said, well, man, if you're feeling it in that YouTube video, you ought to be in that room. It is powerful, undeniable presence of the Lord. And I don't know if you know this or not, but this week, we reached a million views on Ride On King Jesus on our Instagram, which is crazy. Amen. The choir then went viral. Amen. stewart has been invited to many cookouts. And it... I just thank God for a great media team. Thank God for a great praise and worship team that's always putting out an amazing product. Are we so blessed here at Truth Chapel? Amen. If you don't mind turning with me today to 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm only going to read one verse, verse 7, 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 7. And again to all of our guests today, welcome home. And we love you already. We're so glad you're here today. Amen. That's all right. Amen. And I have reached back into the, uh, into the evangelistic repertoire. Just bring you a very simple word today, but I believe it's gonna help somebody in the house. Second Timothy chapter four, reading verse seven. When you have it, just shout, I got it. it said, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Amen. Let us pray together. Lord, we love you so much, and we are so thankful for your power and your presence. We ask you today that you would just speak to us through your word, grow us, mature us, encourage us through this word today, Lord. And God, help us to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word also. And we'll be so careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And someone shout in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Give somebody a high five and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'll give you the title to my message here in just a moment. Amen. In 2006, I began evangelizing full-time. And I had preached a little bit before that and preached out some. But in 2006, I began to actually um, be a full-time evangelist. It was actually in the month of October. In the month of October in 2006, I became a full-time evangelist and began to travel all over the United States and to preach and to teach different events and camp meetings and services and being at churches on Sundays and in February of 2007, just a few months after we had started our full-time ministry, I was in a little town in Louisiana called Delhi. Anybody ever heard of Del High, Louisiana? Ain't much there. Uh, uh, Best Western and a Sonic. And that's about it. And, uh, but a great little church and I was there preaching for a friend of mine, and we were having a good time, and I realized, I hadn't realized really, and honestly, that it was Super Bowl Sunday, so y'all thought I forgot it was Super Bowl Sunday, I didn't forget. It was Super Bowl Sunday, February of 2007, and uh, I hadn't been paying much attention because at the time, I was a Redskins fan, and uh, I'm no longer a Redskins fan because they don't exist. Um, but at the time, I was a Redskins fan, and uh, we, were, we were trash, and so I, I had checked out of NFL. I wasn't paying attention. And uh, after service on that Sunday, the preacher said, he said, hey, man, today, uh, this afternoon, we're going to go to this guy in my church, his house, his a nice house, and he's invited the whole church over to his house, and we're going to watch the Super Bowl. And I had never in my life watched the Super Bowl. It was 2007. I'd never watched a Super Bowl before. Because I grew up in the kind of church that we weren't going to let Super Bowl Sunday even be mentioned. We was going to have church right over top of the Super Bowl. And we weren't going to let them outdo us in worshiping and praising God. And we weren't even going to talk about it. We was just going to have church. We, wanted, we, we, we didn't worry about no Super Bowl. They're not going to outdo us. Now, I don't know some of y'all in the building, y'all was raised in places like that. We're like, you know, we're not, this is is the Lord's day and we don't care nothing about no football game. That's where I grew up. That's kind of how I grew up. So I'd never actually sat down and watched a full championship game, Super Bowl game in my life. So we get to the guy's house and the pastor was telling me, he said, listen, this guy invited the whole church over to his house because he just got in church, just got saved and this will be the first Super Bowl in over 30 years that he won't be drunk. And he's excited to spend this day with his, church, with his church family. And so I thought that was a really cool deal. And so me and my family, we went to this house on uh, that, that, that Sunday in February, that Super Bowl Sunday. And there were two teams playing that day for the Super Bowl, for the championship, for the ring. It was an undefeated team, the New England Patriots. They were undefeated. First team to ever post a 16-0 season. Now, I know the Chicago Bears and the Miami Dolphins may say, well, we, you know, we did too. But that was, in the, that was in the 13s, you know, in the 14, you know, game seasons. But no one had ever posted or since a 16-0 season except the New England Patriots. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady were just having their way with everybody. It was beating the brakes off everybody. The last team they played in the regular season was the New York Giants. The New York Giants were 10 and six, and the New York Giants made it into the wild card playoff. And in the wildcard playoff, they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And everybody said, well, it's just a, it's just a fluke. And then they had to play the Dallas Cowboys, and they're really easy to beat. We could, we could just pick some people right here in this room go beat the Cowboys right now. <clears throat> Did I mention I was a Redskins fan? <laughs> Brother George Harris is not here today. is so why I'm talking this kind of trash. Because he was here right now, he might be throwing something at me. They beat the Dallas Cowboys, and then, then they wind up beating the Packers to get into the Super Bowl to play the team that had just beat them four games prior. An undefeated giant of a team. Some people would say, and even now, that that team in, its, in that season was the greatest football team to ever exist. And here they are at the Super Bowl. However, the New York Giants would not be denied. This 10 and 6 team of losers were able to beat this undefeated team 17 to 14 and take home. The Lombardi Trophy and be named Super Bowl champions of 2007 they did not win every game but they did win the championship so today I'd like to preach to you on this subject you don't have to win every game to be a champion Paul said I fought a good fight it wasn't a great fight, it wasn't a, it wasn't a super fight, it wasn't amazing, it was just good. It was a good fight, and I'll tell you why it was good. It was good because I finished. I didn't give up. I didn't throw in the towel. I finished my course, and I kept, through it all, I kept the faith. I kept fighting, I kept pushing, I kept putting on my gear, and I kept coming back, and I never gave up. And so I didn't win every game, but I am a champion because I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I kept the faith because the race is not given to the swift, not given to the strong, but it's him that endureth to the end. He is going to be the victor. Somebody said amen. Now we know some folks that did not win every game. Matter of fact, we can go back and we can talk about Noah, this great man of righteousness. This man who God found grace in and had him build a boat and save his family. But when he got off that boat, he did not plant olive trees like the dove brought him an olive branch. Instead, he planted grapes and vineyards and he made himself some wine and he got drunk and he got in trouble. Shame came on his life. But at the end of the Bible, the Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Abraham, the Bible tells us, received the promise from God. And when the Lord told him that he would have a son, his wife, Sarah, who was old, she said, I I can't give you a child, and so I am going to let you, I'm going to let my handmaid come into you. And I don't read one scripture where Abraham argued about that. He said, come on in. And the Bible says that he had a son of his flesh named Ishmael. And he put a one in the losing column. But the Bible says at the end of the Bible that Abraham was a friend of God because he never stumbled at the promise. Joseph, God gave Joseph a dream. And in Joseph's dream, God showed Joseph the Super Bowl. God showed Joseph the ring. God showed Joseph how it would all play out. He showed Joseph the end, but he did not show Joseph the pit. He didn't show Joseph Potiphar's house. He didn't show Joseph the prison. He just showed him the end, you're gonna win. But you're gonna, between now and then, you're gonna lose some games. But Joseph, don't you give up in the pit? Don't you give up in Potter's, Potiphar's house? And don't you give up in the prison? Because soon, and very soon, God's going to work this thing out. And what was meant for your hurt, God's going to turn it around for your healing. You don't have to win every game to be a champion. Yeah. Moses led the people of children, the people of uh, Israel out of Egypt did great things, but he never saw the promised land. But the Bible says that he was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ himself. Job was a winner. All he did was win, 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 no matter what. But he lost his family and he lost his cattle and he lost his servants, and he lost his pride, and he lost his joy, and he lost everything. He lost everything, and in the middle of losing, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because Job knew trouble don't last always. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And I'll praise him when he's given. And I'll praise him when he's taken away. Job knew I lost it all. But at the end he got it all back. Because you don't have to win every game to be a champion. Hey, Gideon was a coward. Sitting in a cave. Afraid of his own shadow. Terrified of the Midianites who came to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible says they were like locusts. They were like sand fleas. It could not be counted. The army was so great. But the angel of God came into that place, that wine press with Gideon, and, and, and that angel said, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, I don't I don't see what you see. I, I, I'm in here, I'm terrified. I'm afraid. I don't see what you see. But Gideon may have been a loser at that moment, but God had a winning strategy for him. And even though he may have started in the loser's bracket, him and 300 men destroyed that great army of the Midianites because Gideon didn't have to win every day. He didn't have to win all the time. He just had to show up when the time was right. And when God said, it's gonna be baby it's gonna be somebody shout amen Amen. Samson was born to win given a birthright of winning he was born to be a winner and he did win he beat the brakes off them Philistines and they hated his guts for it but the love of a woman made him lose and he sold his secret for the love of a woman and she took his power and she took his authority with God and they cut his hair And they poked out his eyes and they said, bring him out here and let us look at him. Let us parade him around and let him be a trophy to us. Let us mock him and make fun of him and let us see this great man Samson that caused us all this harm and in the last few moments of Samson's life he said Lord I know I've been a loser but if you'll let me play one more time if you'll put me on the field one more time if you'll let your spirit move I don't care what you came in here with today if you'll say God if you'll let me do it one more time if I can just go to church one more time if I can just pray one more time you never know what God can do in one more time And God gave Samson strength and he pushed against the pillars. And the Bible says that Samson killed more Philistines in his death than when he was allowed. I got news for somebody. You're going to do more damage in your weakest moment than you ever thought you could do. You're going to do more damage to the devil's kingdom and the devil's plan and the devil's agenda than you ever did on your best day. Why? Because God will turn it around and make it good. You don't have to win every game to be a champion. Can I preach to somebody in this house? You may feel like it's over, you may feel like it's done, you may feel like the game is over, the whistle's already blown, and it's but listen, I tell you, the, the, the sun will rise tomorrow, and his mercies are made new every morning. And as long as you're breathing, as long as you're breathing, as long as you're breathing, there's still a chance for you to win. Ah. David was a winner. Oh, we 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 preach about David's wins. He was a winner. He destroyed the Philistine army. He beat their giant. He, he, he ran from Saul, won against Saul, got the crown. He's the king. And early one morning when he should have been at battle, he was in bed. Y'all ever heard me preach that message, bed, bath, and beyond? Oh, yeah, he was in bed when he should have been at war. He saw that woman taking the bath, and he went beyond what he ever thought he would do. Yeah, in one chapter, in your Bible, in your Bible, not just my Bible, your Bible too, in one chapter, David, this great man, this great winner, this, this great achiever, in one chapter, he went from a peeping tom to a murderer. That's how fast it can be taken away from you. That's how fast you can fall. This great man of God found himself in the loser's bracket. But when the prophet came to him and said, David, you're the man, you know what? He, he didn't give up, he didn't throw in the towel. He just fell on his knees and said, God, forgive me. He repented of his sins, and the Bible says, and when David got up, he was king. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I may have lost, I may have lost this battle, but I did not lose the war. I may have slipped up, and I, I come to tell somebody that may have slipped up, made some mistakes. You may be making mistakes right now, but I come to preach to you today, it ain't over until God said it's over. You ought to do what David did. Just find you a place to say, Lord, forgive me. And when you stand up, you still gonna be a child of God. You still going greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I know this may not be deep enough for some of y'all, but I'm not preaching to all of y'all. I'm preaching to some folks that's in this house and you've been in the loser's bracket for a while and you've been feeling like throwing in the towel. You've been feeling like giving up and you've been feeling like, Lord, this ain't for me and I don't know why the Lord won't come to my aid and I don't know why the Lord won't help me out and open the door and I just feel like all I'm doing is losing. I come to tell you, baby, it's all right. If, you, if you've if been losing, it's fine. You just keep trying. You just keep showing up. You keep worshiping. You keep giving. You keep praying. You keep fasting. You keep playing. Get in the game. Get the ball, get your helmet on, put your pads on. This could be the Sunday. This could be the Sunday. This could be the Sunday. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday for the world, but in the church somebody can get a ring tonight. Somebody can win today. Somebody can walk out of here and say, "I'm a champion. I did not win every game, but I'm still a champion." Hey! Ah, Elijah saw many, many miracles. Elijah had been living sustained by a Shunammite woman with just a little bit of meal in the bottom of her barrel and a little bit of oil in her cruise. And God had sustained him. And he called the children of Israel and said, why halt ye between two opinions? You're either going to serve Baal or you're going to serve Yahweh. You cannot have it both ways. And so he said, if the prophets of Baal can get Baal to answer, we'll serve Baal. But if he don't, I'm going to try. And if God answers, if Yahweh answers, we're going to serve Yahweh. And he let Baal, the prophets of Baal, do all their stuff. They cut themselves. They sang. They shouted. They danced all over the altar. But nothing happened. And then Elijah said, my turn. And he got his little little 12 stones, his 12 barrels of water, the the, the altar, and the sacrifice. And he prayed a 65-word prayer. No running, no shouting, no cutting, no nothing. He just said, Lord, you know What needs to be done? And the Bible says the fire fell from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the water, consumed even the stones. Poof, gone. Then he went up on the mountain, he prayed seven times, and rain fell for the first time in three and a half years. And the next day, he had his entire mind blown by one email from a crazy woman. Read your Bible. The Bible says the next day that old Jezebel sent him a letter, sent him a messenger and said, just like you killed my prophets to, today, your head's going to roll and you're going to be dead just like them. And one single message after all the miracles, after all them winds, in that wind column, that, that one word from Jezebel, the Bible says he went out, told a servant to leave him alone, went in the desert, sat under a tree and said, God, kill me. If you don't think you can lose your mind real fast, you better read this Bible again. Because this man went from miracles to a mess. And he said, "said God kill me. I'm no good. I'm, I'm no better than my fathers. Take my life. Woe is me. God said, boy, you better get out of here. You better get up, get your feet under you. Like Jerry Clowd would say, gather your split tail gown around you. Get you down up off this mountain because you got business to do. You need to go anoint Jehu. Jehu's gonna kill Jezebel. Don't, don't even worry about this, Elijah. I'm gonna send somebody to take care of Jezebel for you and anoint Elisha because he's gonna take your place. I know you may feel like you're losing right now, but God said, I got a plan. And if you'll get out of this mountain, if you'll get back in the game, if you can get your mind right and come on back, something can happen. That will blow your mind. The devil hasn't won yet. And I'll tell you why I know the devil hasn't won yet. Because you made it to church today. And any time you come into God's presence it's another chance for God to have his way. All I need to know is are you breathing? Is there still breath in your lungs? Because if you're still breathing, he's still writing your story. It ain't over yet. And you know why I know he's writing your story? Because the Bible said he's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's writing the story and it ain't over until God said it's over. He's the author and the finisher of my life. Somebody ought to just shout right now because the devil lied to you and told you you had lost, but I'm telling you there's a win on the horizon. There's a championship on the horizon. Rejoice, not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, and I'm gonna fall, but when I fall, I shall, I shall, I shall, I shall arrive. Somebody just shout that right now. Rejoice! Not against me. Oh, my enemy. For when I fall, I'm going to get back up. I'm not staying down here. I don't have to win every game. You may have lost the battle, but the war is still raging. Somebody just shout yes. Hey! Be seated. I'm almost finished. I promise. I literally, I'm almost done. Peter had a smart mouth and a bad attitude. He walked with Christ for three and a half years. This man, if anybody had it all together, he should have had it all together. But in the same moment that Peter looked at Jesus and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto thee. And I say unto thee that you are Peter. Upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. Just a few verses later, Peter rebukes Jesus. What? Peter says, well, Jesus, I don't believe all that. You're not going to stop, stop talking like that, Jesus. Peter begins to correct Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, get thee behind me, Satan. The man that, who the church is supposed to be built on the revelation that he's got. Jesus calls him Satan. He never called Judas Satan. He called Judas friend, but he called Peter Satan because everything that tries to push you away from your destiny is Satan and everything that's trying to push you towards your destiny is your friend. Some of y'all not going to like this, but everything, all these people out here that's trying to mess you up they really your friend because what they're doing is they're making you pray a little bit longer, pray a little bit harder, get in the church a little bit more. They're making you worship. <laughs> I come to tell the enemy, you're not doing nothing but putting me on the right track. All you're doing is getting me on my knees and everything that drives you to your knees, that's your friend. And everybody who says, oh, you ain't got to do all that. You don't have to do that kind of stuff. You don't, you don't need to know. That's Satan. They called Peter Satan, and Satan, oh, Peter, he tells Jesus, oh, no, 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 because he's bold, and he's, and he's brash, and he's narcissistic. And he says, oh, I, I would never, not me, Lord. I Man, I got your back. When he saw them take Jesus, it terrified him. and He followed along. In the middle of the night, as he's following along, he goes to warm himself by a fire, and someone says, oh, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. we know you. Ain't you that guy that's with Jesus? He said, that, that's not me. That's not me. You got me messed up. And he moves on, and someone says, hey, 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 we, we know you. Aren't you the guy that was with Jesus? When they fed the five? I was there. I, I saw you. You gave me some bread and fish. That wasn't me. I. People say I look like, you know, People say I look like a lot of people. I got one of them faces. And then he goes to another fire, and a a young maiden says, Oh, hey, I know you. You, You've been with Jesus. You're one of Jesus' followers. You're one of Jesus' disciples. And he said, Gosh darn it. No, I'm not. But I don't think he said, Gosh darn it. The Bible says he swore, he cussed. And that is the only way they knew he wasn't with Jesus is by his language. If you want to be identified with the world, you talk like the world. Look at Peter. Look at Peter. Oh, he's just a man. And when Jesus died, he was nowhere to be found, hiding in the room, afraid of his own shadow. This, this mighty man who God said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. This this guy, he hanged. Since Jesus told him that, which may have felt to him like the greatest moment of his life, since that moment, he's been losing. L, L, catching them L's. L, 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 L. Just catching them. He's 10 and 6. But when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Judas was hanging from a tree, and Peter was in the room. See, see, you don't, you don't really get no validity because of what your name is or what you did. You, you get points when you know you did wrong, but you show up anyway. Ah, uh, Don't let the devil lie to you and tell you it's over. No, just keep on coming because you never know that you never know the day in the room that God's going to pour out his spirit you never know the moment that God's going to make it all all right you never know the sunday that God's going to say today's the day And when the fullness of time was come in that room, they were all in one mind and one accord and Peter was in that room. And they said, these men are drunk. And it was Peter that stood up and said, they're not drunk like you suppose seeing this only about the third hour of the day. But this is what the prophet Joel spoke about when he said, I'll pour out my spirit in the last days upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters and Peter, the loser, got up and preached the message that changed the world what are you saying I'm just listen I'm this is the same piece of toast I don't flip it so much as getting burned on both sides but I come to preach to somebody today I don't care where you're being what you did or how many L's you got in the L column you don't have to win every game to be a champion you made it here today why not say today is the day Today is the day I change everything. Today is the day it shifts. Today is the day I begin to win. Today is the day. I'm, I'm coming to a close right here. I want to tell you about a career loser. a loser of losers. The Bible only gives us a few details about him. But in the details, it's very clear that he is the worst of the worst. The bottom of society, today we can think of who this person was. We would think of the worst possible human being that we could possibly imagine. The Bible will describe him as a malefactor, a worker of evil, hurt people. He has found his life. Of losing. He is a lifetime loser, a criminal, a thief, a malefactor. He is no good and no good to anybody. He is now facing a death only reserved for the worst of the worst of society. He's now facing a death and a punishment that they only give out to people that really, really, really deserve it. In the last game of his life, in the final seconds of the last game of his life, he finds himself hanging on a tree next to a man they call Jesus. And above his head, there are three inscriptions that all say the same thing. One's written in Hebrew, one's written in Latin, and one's written in Greek. And all three of those things say, he is the king of of the Jews. And I don't know what language this man read in, but it was written in all three languages of the time. And he had a friend with him, maybe maybe a partner in crime, who said, hey, if you are the king of the Jews, if you are who they're saying you are, why don't you save yourself, get down, and while you're at it, Take us with you. Save me too. They both both asked for salvation. Both of these men will ask for salvation on this day. But one does it with the wrong attitude. But this other guy who we have no name for, the only way we know him is a thief who has lost his entire life in the last few seconds, the last play of the game, with time running out on his clock, he says, don't treat him like this. We deserve what we're getting, but I perceive that this man has done nothing. And he looks at Jesus. (laughs) He turns to Jesus in the last moments of his life. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? When you come into all that is?" I don't even know if this man even understood what the kingdom of God really was. But he knew who he was looking at. The king of the Jews. He said, I don't know if you're if you're the king of the Jews, then you obviously have a kingdom coming. And so when you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? And in the final seconds of the final game, it was counting down this man through a Hail Mary. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And every loss was wiped off the slate. He was a champion. He he never won a game. But in the game that mattered the most, in the final moments of his life, he turned to Jesus. I got a word for somebody. You may be in despair and you may feel like this is the end and you may feel like you have no more hope and you so far down, you got to look up to see down. I come to tell you, if you will turn to Jesus, it's a winning strategy. If you'll turn to Jesus, if you'll say, Jesus, I deserve everything I got. Look, Jesus, I'm not worthy to even call your name, but if you would just remember me today, if you could have mercy on my soul today, if you could touch me today, I tell you, you may have never won a game, but you don't have to win every game to be a champion. Who am I preaching to today in this house Who needs to hear just an encouraging word I know we're not real deep today And I haven't preached no real deep message But I preach a good word To somebody who needs to hear It's not over for you If you're still breathing He's still writing your story He's still working on you This thing is not over It's not a rap The whistle has not blown Or can I say it like this The trumpet has not yet sounded Do you know that today is the day of salvation? Now is the time of salvation. You can say, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my soul. Lord, I give you my mind. And God can make you a champion today. We are more than conquerors. By the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. Uh, Staying with me. I really am coming to a close. Uh, if I had time to tell you today, I could tell you about a loser named Paul who was killing Christians before he became a Christian. I could tell you about a man named Daniel who was doing his best, doing nothing but winning, winning for the Lord, but he lost. And they threw him in a pit. I could tell you about... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who were winners. Winners for God. But they lost and got thrown into that fiery furnace. And just when it seemed like the enemy had won, just when it seemed like the enemy had won, God stepped in and said, no, 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 no. This game ain't over. I could tell you about Paul and Silas who were doing the will of God, following the call of God, who got beaten with sticks, thrown into prison, hands and feet locked in stocks. And at midnight, at midnight, right around midnight, when the clock is ticking away and there's no more timeouts and you got to make a play. They just decide in the middle of the night, let's just sing a song of praise. and God sent an earthquake and set them free. It's not a very deep message today. It's actually very, very simple. and The context is this is just because you've lost and just because you've maybe failed and just because you may be hurt right now and just because you may actually be living in sin. It doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean it's a wrap. You say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm facing. I'm facing immeasurable odds. I'm facing such a, a great enemy. What I'm dealing with in my family, what I'm dealing with in my life, what I'm dealing with is just too much. I'm fighting an unbeatable foe, and I'm sure that's what the New York Giants thought in 2007 when they faced a team that had not been beat all year long. At the time, they met an 18-0 and team or 19-0 and team. No losses on the record. No one can beat us were the best of the best. The numbers in Vegas were so high, people lost everything because they knew and they put all their money on the New England Patriots because it was a wrap, it's a a done deal. These boys cannot be beaten. And they felt like, I know they did, they felt like these guys are the best of the best and they have no losses in the loss column. But this is the most important game. This is the last game. Whoever wins this game, they're gonna get a ring. And on that ring, on that ring, that ring will not tell of the losses. That ring will not tell of the games thrown away. The game will not tell of the interceptions that Eli Manning may have thrown that year. That, That ring will not tell Of those moments, those disappointing moments when they could have won, but they lost. The ring will not tell of the past. The ring will only tell of the present. The ring will say, Super Bowl champions. That's all it's going to say. It's not going to say losers who luckily became winners. No. It's just going to say winners. Champions. That's what Paul meant when he said, I forget everything that's behind me. And I press forward to the prize, the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. Because at the end of the day, I'm just gonna be a champion. And you're not gonna see my past. Matter of fact, he's gonna take my past, he's gonna cover it in the blood. You see, I was able to do something this morning and yesterday that no one else will be able to do in my life. I was able to go back and go on Google and pull up the stats and everything. I was able to pull up all the stats. I was able to look at all the losses that the Giants had had that year. And I was able to look at all the wins that the Patriots had had that year. I was able to pull up the stats and see, oh, wow, that's crazy. They were 10 and 6. They lost six games that year. But they, they're they just the Super Bowl champions. That's, that's what we know them as. Not for their losses, for the win, the one win. And I was able to go back and pull up the stats. But you know, when you come to this altar today and you ask God to forgive you of your sins and your past, you know what the enemy can't do? He cannot go pull up your stats. He can't go pull up the losses. He can't go pull up the disappointment. Only you can do that. But I say you be like Paul. Say, you know what? I forget the things that are behind me. And I press. I press forward. I press forward. I press forward. Because I don't have to win every game to be a champion. That's that's not how this works. I can fall down, but I get up. And This is not the end of my story. Do not read this chapter. Do not read this chapter of my book and say, this is their life. No, no, no. It's just a chapter. The page is going to turn. Tomorrow morning, the page is going to turn. Today, at this altar, the page is going to turn. God saying, hey, I'm still writing. Here's what happens next. I'm still writing. And God only writes one book. It's a book of great expectations. Because he said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They're thoughts of hope and peace. Not to do you harm, but to do you good. To give you an expected end. And God has great expectations for you today. I know what he's writing because I read the back of the book and we win. We win. Hallelujah. We win. I know how this turns out. This turns out with you on top. I know how this turns out. It turns out with you being a victor and not a victim. I know how this turns out. This turns out with you making it in. This turns out with you being a champion. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.